this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. That's why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Liberal Democrats who are tired of the trifecta in this capital that is destroying our state and making life untenable for the people of Michigan. They are done with it. They are done with not being served. They are done with our corrupt and dishonest media that push democratic talking points. I crack up at our quote unquote journalists who use things Houston calling Green. me an election denier. Now, where did that talking point come from? The only thing I'm denying is that Jocelyn Benson knows how to run a clean election. She is the most lawless Secretary of State in Michigan's history. As a matter of fact, the judge just ruled against her because Jocelyn Benson does not want to clean dead people off the voter rolls. Hmm. Now, answer me this. Why wouldn't she want to clean dead people off the voter rolls? It's clear because she wants to defraud the people of Michigan of our voice. She wants to defraud us of our voice, and it is a national security threat, which she's up to, and I'm not backing down from that point, no matter how many people ask me to. Detroit a couple weeks ago and they were sharing with me how they had friends these are Democrats who showed up to the polls and were told they had already voted absentee so it's not just us it's not just the GOP it's Michigan who's tired of it and it's also how she's failed us regarding our branch offices which is a quality of life issue we pay way too much in the branch offices way too much for our SOS services when you look at how much money that the Secretary of State actually brings in and what they actually keep to run the department, what they bring in, only 7% is needed to run the department based on how much revenue they bring in. Only 7% of that $2.9 billion, but yet they want to constantly justify increasing fees to go blow it on programs within the grease the palms of their friends. We are done. Yeah. Michigan is done. Okay, welcome. You're in the War Room Monday, 29 August, year of our Lord, 2022. That is, uh, I think Gateway Pundit calls her Savage Angel yesterday in Michigan. Let's bring in Christine Caramo. She's running for Secretary of State. Uh, pretty on fire, Christina. Tell us, uh, the, tell us the point that you are trying to make about your opponent, who I still think refuses to debate you. Is that correct? Well, we shall see. It seems as though she's trying to get me to go on some talking show, probably so she can set the stage for herself to lie. The thing about it is Jocelyn Benson is the most lawless secretary of state in the history of Michigan, that even Democrats are tired of her as well, because it is an attack on our national security, it is an attack on the control that we, the people, have over our government. And the evidence is just stacking against her. A judge just ruled last week against her when she was trying to convince a judge to drop a case that was going against her for her refusal to clean dead people off the voter rolls. I mean, this is common sense. Why does she want to keep dead people on the voter rolls? She wants to bloat the voter rolls so they can operate those ballot mulling operations. This is what I strongly believe based on the evidence that we have seen. We have surveillance footage of individuals signing multiple ballots and then those same individuals going to drop multiple ballots inside ballot drop boxes. This is an attack on our election system. and It's an attack on the people of this state. 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't it looks like the, from the polling, independents and Democrats agree with you that they want this all cleaned up. They want fair and transparent. There's a number of working class uh, Democrats, particularly in Detroit, that want fair elections and don't want Republicans trying to pull this nonsense. So they want, first off, they want the voter rolls cleaned up. They want a lot more transparency. I mean, isn't this a bipartisan issue right now? It really is a bipartisan issue. I was talking with Democrats who tell me that they won't even vote absentee because they don't trust the process. There's no abs- there's no security of how your absentee ballot is being handled from the point you cast it till it arrives at the clerk's office to it being tabulated. Anything could occur. There's a suburb by Detroit where I was informed that when these individuals from the clerk's office were coming to the local post office to pick up absentee ballots, they didn't have to provide any type of credential. They didn't have to show any ID. Just They just came and said where they were from, picked up the ballots, and that was that. This is not a partisan issue. And you're right, Steve. These kitchen table issues that people care about, like ensuring that we actually have control of our government, Democrats do agree with this on. You know what's so funny? I was watching a clip from Joe Rogan who said, vote Republican. Joe Rogan is not a Republican, but it's just that the Democratic Party, who's been co-opted by Marxists, has totally ran our country into the ground. They're intentionally trying to destroy our country. And many true liberals are waking up and seeing what these people are about. A lot of the social issues we disagree with, they want to talk about later. I just want to be able to ensure that I actually have a say in my government. I want to be able to ensure that I actually can put my kids in school and pay for gas, pay for food, these basic issues that people care about. And so we're going to see a massive victory come November, a referendum on the craziness of the Biden Whitmer, Benson, Nestle administration we see here in Michigan. So we will be successful because at the end of the day, people want problem solved. They, they don't care what party you're from. They want problem solved. And those are the people who will vote for me come November. Do you think, is there any three people that are more radical than the, the, than the Democratic governor, attorney general, and secretary of state in any state? And I include California in that. Is that the three most radical Democrats running a state in this union, ma'am? Well, yes, here's why, Steve. Number one, our attorney general, Dana Nessa, claimed that I was engaging in the felony and could be criminally charged. We have this on camera. So it's not like when we say these things about these women, we're just shouting things out or making claims. My opponent has falsely claimed that armed protesters showed up at her home. She falsely claimed that President Trump wanted her to potentially be executed. She has been caught multiple times lying about a variety of things. And this shows us when you have people in the administrative and the executive branch who are calling for citizens to be criminally charged. And Benson echoes Dana Nessel's points that people should be criminally charged, that it's voter suppression to point out her corruption. This is what's going on. You look at Gretchen Whitmer. Gretchen Whitmer has blood on her hands. She not only put COVID patients in nursing homes, but she also denied people life-saving medical treatment because it was politically advantageous for her to do so. These people do not care about anybody. And what the Democrats are running on in this, in this election is they're just fixated on abortion as though somehow that is the number one issue in our country. I am pro-life conception till natural death. However, even amongst even pro-choice groups and, and, and voting blocks, they still want to be able to feed their kids and be able to provide for their families on a basic level. And as a matter of fact, in Michigan right now, they're trying to push in our state's constitution changes to our elections that will allow nine days of early in-person voting. Private money in elections. When I speak with Democrats, the concept of private money in our elections terrifies people because you will be able to bribe folks if, if that's what they want to do. Permanent ballot drop boxes putting in our constitution, getting away rid of voting ID laws. And as I talk to people, and I know I keep injecting the point of talking to Democrats so people can clearly understand, these are just common sense issues. Nobody I know can understand why an adult wouldn't have an ID. 
And as a matter of fact, as I've pointed out, if you have large swaths of the population who do not have an ID, it is the job of the Secretary of State to ensure people have IDs. I talked with someone who has experienced a, a couple of people who have known of non-citizens who've been registered to vote. Three people I've talked to regarding this. Three within the last, I would say, two weeks. So this is a massive issue, and these individuals do not want to fix it. They're George Soros puppets, and their goal is to run Michigan into the ground. That's what their objective is. I mean, our attorney general said she wants a drag queen in every school. I mean, this is what these people are on to. So, you know, in Michigan, we're going to see a massive referendum, and we just have to make sure that we here, the GOP, get our act together and make sure that we're successful in November. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because there's all this discussion about the GOP uh, across the board, not just in Michigan, but the establishment's not there for grassroots candidates that, uh, particularly candidates like yourself, that have really bootstrapped your way up, are not part of the club that they're, they're just not interested in. Can you get us up to date on exactly where we are in the campaign and, and where do you stand against uh, Benson and, uh, and how, how are you going to run this thing? Because you are, you're an inspiration for the entire country. Yeah, you know what, Steve? We have close to 1,500 volunteers statewide. We have so many people joining our campaign, joining our movement to make sure that we're successful in November because we understand that we have to have honest servant leadership in our state to be successful. The thing about it is the people who are occupying many of these spaces and power with do various elected officials and especially in our executive branch. It's not that these jobs are so complicated or so complex. These people are just corrupt. We have a criminal cartel running our state. That's what's going on. And to your point, we have talked to so many everyday people, people across political affiliations who are supporting our campaign because they want just someone to do the right thing. And so there are people who carry the title Republican who just simply will not support me because, like you said, I'm not part of the club. They don't, they're not in this for the people of this state. They're in this for themselves. They're in this for their name. They're in this for power, for money, everything that makes politics toxic. That's what they're in it for. And we're just not about that. We're about honest leadership. We're about honestly taking back our state for the benefit of the people of Michigan. And, and not just our campaign, but we're seeing so many people across the state, everyday citizens who are running for office, who are getting involved for the first time. And this is what will make us successful. So, yeah, we definitely need people support across America to help our campaign, especially if you're in Michigan. Please volunteer if you're even our state. Hey, contribute because Michigan is a battleground state. This is why George Soros and his Secretary of State project intentionally targeted Michigan. My opponent is not even from Michigan. She's from Pennsylvania. She used to work for the Southern Poverty Law Center. That tells you what she's about. She wrote a book about the Secretary of State's office and can't even do the job because she intentionally was placed in that office to corrupt the election system, to defraud the people of Michigan of their voice. As I said in the speech I gave, there was someone who shared with me that they had a friend who went to go vote. And these are Democrats went to go vote in person and was told they already voted absentee. I've heard that story multiple times across the state. And so this is happening in elections, everything down from 2020, down to city elections we're having issues, midterm elections we're having issues. We're seeing issues already with Benson, what appears to be bloating the voter rolls. So this is something that we have to take back and we will be successful. Give me a second. Give me a minute on this, on your concept of servant leadership. She's trying to paint you in the mainstream media. MSNBC is trying to paint you as a wild-eyed Christian nationalist, ma'am. Uh, your response? You know, the thing about it is I am always going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I will not uh, apologize for that. You know, Steve, to your point, as you know, as a fellow Christian, these people were up against our secular 
That's what they want. They want a society accent of God. I mean, what kind of people advocate for abortion until birth? That's something we're up against in Michigan in the November election, that they have an, an, a constitutional amendment where they want to legalize abortion up until birth and remove parental consent, which opens the door for all types of other horrible things to happen to our children. This is what seculars are about. They want a society absent of God. So when you have people such as myself and you and other people across America, I know they said the same thing about Doug Mastriano in uh, Pennsylvania. So when you are a Christian and you are unapologetically a Christian and you're running for public office, these people want you gone because they have a hard time imposing their secularist agenda with you standing there. And so they'd rather get on issues like my objections to Darwinian evolution. Yes, I have objections to Darwinian evolution. We can have a conversation about that, but it has nothing to do with the Secretary of State's office. So they'd rather focus on all these other things that I've talked about on my Christian podcast instead of talking about the office for Secretary of State because they know if we talk about the issues toe for toe, Benson's going to lose. Because she, there is evidence. This isn't just me saying things or making claims. There's evidence of her being a corrupt and a lawless individual. But instead, they rather distract on the fact that I'm a Christian because this is part of a larger agenda to purge Christians from society, to make us so obsolete that not only do we not serve in public office, and if there's a remnant of Christians left, we won't even speak about our faith. And we're going to fight back. I will never apologize for being a follower of Christ. And these people just need to go pound sand because we're not going anywhere. And in fact, we're going to grow our ranks. Uh, can we? Uh, can you give us your social media and how do f- people find out more about you and more about your campaign? Yeah, ChristinaCaramo.com. We definitely need your financial support. The thing about it is these people, they are fixated on corrupting our election system. And I would say that the Secretary of State's race is the most important state, important race in America because it's the only way that we, the people, maintain control of our government. Our elections is the heartbeat of our freedom, the absolute heartbeat of our freedom. No other way to have our freedom but our election system. So please support us, ChristinaCaramo.com. And we will be victorious in November, and we will take back this state for all the people, even those who don't like me. <laughs> Christina, thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. Thank you, Steve. Christina Cromo, a Michigander, fighting hard up there in the state of Michigan. Let's—I tell you—we have a cold open. This amazing rally on Saturday in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Let's go to that before we bring in Sam Fattis. Now I'm videotaping us. Guys, look great. Look how good you look. Monroe County rocks. Take what a huge, what a huge turnout there. It's amazing. Uh, let's bring in uh, Sam Fattis now. Sam, what was the group that put it on? What was the purpose of it? Uh, how big they got, it got? It looked like it got a little rowdy. It got a little rowdy. For the, for the record, by the way, Steve, I would say, I guess I am a Christian nationalist. Since I'm a Christian, I love my country. I'll leave the wild-eyed part up to somebody else to decide. But uh, that's not much of an accusation. You're a Christian. I think I, I, I think I, I think I, I think the thirty-some years you spent in defense of your country, working for the intelligence services, took out the wild-eyed part of it, Sam. So you're so you're steely-eyed, steely-eyed. Let's say that. I like that one better than the wild-eyed, anyway. Uh, this Patriots Coalition, Pennsylvania Patriots Coalition that we've put together, now over 100 Patriot groups across the state, growing in number every day. And we put together this rally in Bloomsburg to kick off what is a statewide series of rallies, town halls, door knocking events, a campaign of what we call relentless pressure on the legislature 
to back up our demand that they end this crazy experiment with mail-in voting and drop boxes and take us back to in-person voting. Had it outside of Bloomsburg at an equestrian center, at least a couple of thousand people present. But again, this is the first of, I have no idea at this point, I've lost count myself how many rallies are coming up. I'm speaking, I, I think five times in, in, in the next week and there are plenty of rallies going on that I can't make it to. I will be out in Western Pennsylvania next week for several days in succession doing more than one rally a day as, as we ripple this thing all around the state. Well, I want to make sure we get the uh, the, the uh, website because I want to make sure everybody in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania knows this because this is how we're going to win in November. Here's what I think it's confusing. And we're going to have Tony Shoup on here from Vote PA in, in a second, Sam. But here's what I'm, I'm confused about. I, I thought, didn't the Commonwealth Court say that the mail-in ballots were unconstitutional. Now, I realize I had to, to, where do you actually stand? Is it, is it according to the state constitution, the Commonwealth, these mail-in ballots unconstitutional? You, you, you can't do this unless you change the constitution. Where are we actually in this process? The Commonwealth Court, which is this kind of weird intermediate appellate court that exists in Pennsylvania, and there's no comparable thing elsewhere, voted that Act 77, the bill that gave us mail-in voting, was unconstitutional. Then the state Supreme Court, which is stacked with Democratic Party PACs, overturned that ruling and said, yeah, the legislature can do whatever it wants, basically, which is absurd. You read the Constitution, it's as evident, the Pennsylvania Constitution, it's as clear as day that this change could not be made without an amendment to the Constitution, but who cares? They did it anyway. Tony Shoup, by the way, from Audit the Vote, was the first speaker yesterday at this rally. She's she's everywhere. She's the leader, as you know, the, I think the single biggest patriot group in the whole state. And her folks are part of this coalition that we've got going. So what the patriot groups now, you intend to have uh, these rallies throughout say, are you trying to motivate people to get to the polls on November 8th or is the principal thing to get to the legislature? and to try to actually get something on the books that reverses, because it can't be for this election, but reverses for afterwards the mail-in voting. What, 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 what is like your, your, your target set? The immediate demand is to lean on the legislature that's going to go back into the session soon to re repeal Act 77. Let's keep in mind the Pennsylvania GOP-controlled legislature gave us mail-in voting and drop boxes. So the folks we're leaning on are the GOP establishment. Fix it. You made this mess. Clean it up. Uh, after that, obviously, we are all simultaneously pushing people to vote for Doug Mastriano. But where this is really going long term, Steve, is we're taking out the middle ground, right? We're saying to, to all these folks, again, we're talking primarily to the GOP. There's a line on the ground. You either get on one side of it with us and take us back to in-person voting or you stand against us. And if you stand against us, then come next primary, you're gonna be looking for work. If they don't do what we want, this all builds into just getting out a big room and sweeping the legislature clean. That's where this is going. Sam, hang on for a second. I wanna to bring Tony in right now. Tony, you were the kickoff speaker on, on Saturday. I know you've got some breaking news for us, but, but first, walk us through all these Patriot groups coming together You've been at the forefront of this. 
what are you guys trying to do? What, what are you trying to accomplish here? We're trying to get the state legislators to listen to the people that put them there and take us back to in-person voting, get rid of the mass mail-in ballots, get rid of the machines. We want paper ballots counted by hand, one-day elections. It's pretty simple. We want a free, fair, honest, transparent elections. Really not that hard. When, when, when Sam talks about the establishment, the Republican establishment made this happen, uh, are, do you believe that they're listening to you? Do you believe, I know that overwhelmingly you guys, uh, we have a massive grassroots movement in Pennsylvania. It's essentially what got President Trump elected in 2016. And to be brutally frank, it's with real votes, certifiable votes. It's what got him to win Pennsylvania in 2020. Uh, d- 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 is the Republican establishment listening to you? Do they fear you guys? Or is this just another group of uh, Tea Party pests? That's a good question. I think we'd have to. What we did do is put together a report. We started working more on the local level after everything got ripped out from under us when late last summer when they removed Mastriano from the committee and the forensic audit changed. We went on a ground level and we put together a report based on all our investigative canvassing efforts of things that the counties can do that don't violate the Pennsylvania election code. These are things, changes they can make right now before the November midterms to help secure it, like banning ballot drop boxes. There's nothing in the law that says we have to use those. In fact, one of the counties actually went up against the ACLU right before the May primary, Lancaster County, Josh Parsons, he's a county commissioner. ACLU sued him twice in two weeks to try to force drop boxes in the county, and he basically told him to go pound sand and put a statement out and said, we're not going to use them. The counties can do that. The counties can stick the machines in the closet. There's nothing in the Pennsylvania law that says we have to use them. It's just going to take somebody with some courage. There's going to be backlash. I mean, there's risks. We're dealing with a weaponized government, which I don't have to tell you or anybody that watches your show that that's what we're dealing with. So there's a risk there, but there's nothing in the law that says we can't make these changes in our report that's on our website, auditthevotepa.com. So let's talk about that. You're saying you have action items right now that if the county, regardless of what the state legislature did, regardless how bad this is and forget the constitutionality and these big issues that of the constitution, you're saying there's practical things that can be done that they, they have the authority to do uh, quite frankly, the responsibility to do, but that they, they don't need any waivers. They don't need any legal opinions. They can, these County uh, supervisors overseeing the elections can take these actions today. They absolutely can. They just need a backbone because they're going to get pressured from the state department. But if you go to our website, auditthevotepa.com, under the reports media tab, we put together a very good comprehensive analysis report with every link that backs up everything that we're recommending the counties do. They can bring the mail-in ballots back to the precinct level. They don't have to go to the centralized tabulating center where they go right now. They need to go back to the individual precincts and they can be counted there. That's all in there. Everything about the machines, banning the ballot drop boxes, other recommendations, it's all there and it's all within their jurisdiction to make that decision. Again, they just need some courage to do it. About this, the canvas and the things you did uh, with your group, what would it take to expand that to, to make that statewide? Is there, is there enough grassroots effort out there, enough people to actually do what you guys accomplished and to really take that and, and get every county in the state and the Commonwealth to actually do this? That's another good question. I would like to think so. I mean, we started canvassing in 20 different counties. We ended up with enough volunteers to get a sample size in 12 counties, which are the results that we released on our website. I would like to think at this point we've got enough 
effort grassroots wise to pull that off. We have specifically recently partnered with the America Project to do a get out the vote effort. It's our focus from now to November. We've got to massively overwhelm the system with as many in-person votes on election day as possible. And they're going to help provide some of the funds to a digital media campaign based on the results that we get from a canvassing get out the vote effort. So that's our next move. Uh, Sam, let me bring you back in here for a second. Um, what what uh, Tony's talking about, is that a practical solution since obviously you can't get the assembly to 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 uh, reverse its its uh, law so far on uh, on the mail in ballots themselves Are her practical things at the county level. Is that something that in your mind is doable now? Absolutely. 100 percent doable. And another thing that with the coalition, we're trying to get going statewide. I mean, what happens when you look at the map, Steve, is you will see, you know, we got 100 groups, 100 plus groups, depending on how you count across the state of Pennsylvania. Some places we got three or four groups in a county. Some places for whatever random series of reasons, we don't have a group in a county. So as part of this coalition, it's not just bringing together existing groups. It's creating new groups. It's expanding the coalition. It's, you know, building muscle maps, if you will, for this thing. So uh, we're in the process of, of a lot of organizational measures that are going on behind the curtain, if you will. Tony is also part of those building bylaws and corporation, making this Patriot Coalition into something that will exist and be permanent and continue to get stronger and more powerful. Because you know how PA works. This is an old school you know, uh, backroom politics kind of place. In the end, is, the only thing they understand is, is political power. The, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, the, poli the political class are the original gangsters. They're the OGs. OK, um, Sam, how do people get to the your site, follow you and magazine and how do they get to the coalition? For me, you can go to Ann Magazine at Substack, annmagazine.substack.com. But right now, the coalition, the best location is UnitePA.net. Going forward, we'll build out another website. But right now, that's the best single point of contact, UnitePA.net. Okay, I want everybody to go there. Thank you so much. Tony, how do people, how do people get to you? How do they get to vote PA? AuditTheVotePA.com is our website. You can follow us on, we're on every social media platform that exists. We've got a Rumble channel now that we do a weekly newsroom show on Thursday nights at nine o'clock. Follow us, volunteer, support us financially if you can. We appreciate it. And thank you, Sam, for partnering with us and helping Tony us really get the job done. Tony, great work, too. You're, you're a fighter. I know you do great work, Tony, because every time I have you on, I'll get phone calls from, from the establishment business guys going, how can you have Tony Shoup on? She's a killer. You're doing fantastic work. And we got to do everything. The warrior wants to do everything to make sure the coalition is successful as possible. So thank both of you guys for the work you're doing for coming on. Okay, short break. Dave Brat, Joe Allen next in the battleground. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us.
Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. WARROOM BATTLEGROUND WITH STEPHEN K. BANNON. Welcome back uh, to the battleground. Uh, it is Monday, the 29th of August in the year of our Lord, 2022. I want to go to Dave Bratt, who's the Dean of the Business School down at Liberty. And, and Dave, normally you, you join us in the morning with Cortez or in the afternoon. We're talking charts. We're talking Federal Reserve, the economy. But I want to bring you on. I, I, I appreciate you changing your schedule around to join us here in the battleground. But President David French, people remember David French from his very successful run for the presidency in 2016. But David French has, has been writing a series of articles, wrote an article the other day about um, this rise of Christian nationalism. And we had Christine Caramo on here to start the show. She gets, they, they come after her with all get, you know, as hard as they possibly can when she's talking about servant leadership. And I think French's big hit on the MAGA movement, as far as the, the, uh, the, the Christian uh, backing of it and the way it's resonated with evangelicals and traditional Catholics. I think his c- criticism is that we're not kind enough. Is, is that the, the yeah. hit I see he's taken that the evangelical Christians in the MAGA movement, the traditional Catholics lack kindness. That comes from president yeah. in quotes, David French. Uh, Dave yeah. Brett, your, your thoughts. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you just characterized it just right. Uh, while he's hitting us, He's urging kindness from us. So it's really a nice tap on the head. It's like, you people be quiet. That's the subtext, right? Uh, you be kind and you be quiet. And he couches this not only uh, in, in Christian terms, but I mean, he's quoting the New Testament. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, notice uh, there's no Old Testament, and uh, I'm going to dig into that a bit. Uh, but his kindness, right? And uh, you just need to go back to like Reinhold Niebuhr, moral man and immoral society. He was a serious liberal theologian who knew human nature, right? And so his famous claim, right, is that is nations don't know how to love. They're not capable of love, nor should they strive to love. Every nation is corrupt and evil, right? Human nature is bad enough by itself as individuals. Uh, lump us all together and, and throw in some fanaticism and you get the 30s uh, in Germany and you get the 60s on the college campus. Uh, a reaction uh, of, of of the passions against reason, 
and the founding fathers and human rights claims and the Judeo-Christian West, uh, the religious tradition along with human reason. And so French knows what he's doing, right? He wants us to be quiet and be kind. And th there's, a, there's a new line, I think, that's developing uh, for, for Americans. It, it's, we have been kind. We're a very generous, uh, loving people. We've been over backwards. Uh, but now the minority uh, not only wants to be protected, and they should be, right? Madisonian democracy, that's the whole point, is factions, the minority faction is to be protected. And so all of this has been covered, right? And, the, and the, uh, the civil rights struggle came out of the founders, hard, heavy lifting, uh, and the Enlightenment uh, folks back in, you know, 1776. And that finally, you know, toward the uh, Martin Luther King period, uh, met, met some great resolution. And, but now the minority is going so far that kids, right, in, in school, K to, K to five, or just young kids are doing bodily mutilation. Uh, we've got drag queens in the classroom in the Michigan. You just heard the attorney general of Michigan. Uh, they want drag queens. So now it's not a protection of the minorities under equal rights, right, of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. It's the minority claims to want to run the country. And so a, a, a not even a percent, I, I don't even think it's a percent, but they're allowed and they're well-funded because it has to do with the destruction of the Judeo-Christian tradition and free markets and the rule of law and the Constitution and human rights claims. Right. And so French should know better. He claims to be, you know, he quasi serious. I don't think I think he's deep as a wading pool. If you read him. Right. He doesn't understand human nature a bit. Uh, he doesn't understand Christianity the way he expresses it. And uh, he ought to go read St. Augustine. Right. On, on just war. Right. Just war theory. The whole idea there is, yes, individually Christians. Right. If at all possible, live at the Sermon on the Mount, the, the ideal of the ideal. Who does that on a daily basis? Who wakes up thinking about God? all day, from uh, morning till night, uh, nobody, right? Who always puts other people's interests before themselves, uh, nobody. Jesus did that uniquely, he's the son of God, right? And so French is setting this thing up uh, that our politics should be at that level. I mean, it, it's just a, a, a joke of political theory. And so uh, the most interesting thing about French is he, he just quotes Jesus in the New Testament and we should all be loving and kind, right? Should we also be kind to Hitler? No, that's where just war theory kicks in. When the innocent are being harmed, right? When minorities, the Jewish, the gypsies, when they're being harmed, it's our duty. And unfortunately, the church was asleep back then. Uh, we were lacking a backbone, the Catholics and the Protestants. Uh, both totally failed in Germany and broader Europe, and even the U.S. was slow uh, to the punch. Uh, but we got there. We did the right thing. Right. And so French uh, it just has it all upside down. And then if you really want to go into the God talk, right, uh, push people to talk about God, which God. OK, so he quotes a few lines from Jesus. So we should all be kind and loving. That's certainly in there. Right. They love God, love God and love your neighbors yourself. Right. Now we're warming up. Now, if you want to go back to the Jewish text, you want to know who God, the Father Almighty is. Uh, go watch uh, Harrison Ford and Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, when that ark, when the top came off that ark, uh, that is a vision of God the Father Almighty. No one is allowed to see the face of the Father, period. That's why Jesus Christ is so essential in the, in, in the Christian tradition. Christ is the mediator who allows us to go before the Father and, and beg for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can approach God. 
And we have to be uh, repent, which means turning around, not just saying, I'm sorry. You have to repent, turn around, and then be obedient to God. Now, this totally freaks out the left. This is what's going on. This was the 60s, right? The fist uh, upstairs to heaven. No, uh, we reject it. And that's the outgrowth of what you're seeing, right? So the, the Enlightenment, there was an attack on God. The classical thinkers did not have this uh, similar uh, attack, right? The uh, Socrates, Plato, et cetera. Uh, and then, but even let's go to the New Testament, right? And uh, the Catholics are very familiar with the Trinitarian theory. It's been 1,500 years matured. The Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, you know, the, the liberals of the 60s wanted to turn Jesus into just a nice, warm, ethical teacher. That's who Jesus Christ is. No, uh, wrong existentially. Uh, Kierkegaard wrote a book knowing full well about Jesus and the Father, and it was called Fear and Trembling, uh, knowing full well who Jesus is as well. And so what am I getting at? Well, French says, well, Jesus is loving and kind. Well, Jesus is also God in the Godhead with the Father. And when God Almighty destroyed all human beings in the flood and took his own chosen people, Jewish people, to task and kicked them into the desert for 400 years for disobedience, that is God. That is the Father. That is the Son, a holy God. God's holiness cannot withstand uh, us. Right. When we turn our back, God's always there loving us. But when we turn, he'll let us uh, off in the wilderness. And I'm afraid that's where our country is headed right now if we don't get our act together. And so I'm glad you uh, have had me on to 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 kind of cover the basic trajectory. But this but, idea but, but isn't that but, but, but what he's what he's arguing. But, 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 but what but what he's arguing, but what he's arguing, hang on, what he's arguing is the mainstream churches and I the mainstream Catholic Church, the mainstream Protestant churches don't want to don't want to contest this. They're they're too afraid of being kicked out of the clubs. Yeah. They're too afraid of being kicked out of the right. chamber of commerce. They're too afraid of their kids not getting into colleges. That's why it's the more evangelical, Pentecostal, traditional Catholic, most of these from a lower socioeconomic class, either the lower middle class or the working class, that are prepared to stand and fight on this. David French is yeah. arguing, I think, uh, what you see in the mainstream Protestant churches, particularly in the Northeast right. and in yeah. certain elements yeah. of the in the Mid Atlantic states. Am I? You see this all the time. Am I? This is the even the Southern Baptist Convention. This is why you're having these doctrinal issues right now that are really off of to take away, get away from the crisis that the country's going through. Dave Brett. Yeah, well, that that's exactly right. And I, I laid it out the way I did to kind of get at that point, right? Uh, and now you've got even within uh, some of the mainstream churches, you've got these what's, what are called these uh, baby Christians. And so this is a nice way of welcoming in everybody and saying, God loves you and so do I. That's great. You want to meet people where they're at, listen to them, et cetera. Uh, but this is not a substitute for the gospel, right? <laughs> Jesus claimed came and preached the gospel. What is the gospel? The forgiveness of sin. And so that is why Jesus came, right? And so eventually you got to get to the hard stuff. That is the meat of Christianity. And so you're right that the mainstream, the, the frozen chosen are almost extinct, right? The, uh, the old, uh, <clears throat> the, the mainstream uh, intellectuals, because they have compromised way too much. 
And so now you're right, right? The evangelical church is alive and well, and, and in South America, and in China, and in Africa, etc. And uh, the left does not like this, right? They're horrified. And still, you know, just to get the basic numbers out, we, 70% of the country still identifies as Christian. And even French has these graphs out in his writings. Not only 70%, so that's 200 million people claim uh, to be followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, well, this baby Christianity stuff has to come to an end. We have to get serious uh, about what it is to be the church. It's not a consumer good where you go one hour a week uh, to get psychological uh, feel-good messages uh, so you can go out and be a more successful business person. This is not the essence of, of Christianity, right? When Kierkegaard writes fear and trembling, uh, it's not a uh, prosperity gospel feel-good thing. Uh, it's the most serious uh, tradition and, you know, it, it, with respect to the Enlightenment and uh, uh, the transhumanism stuff, you probably got up uh, following me. The Enlightenment uh, made a deal with the great philosophers, right, with Socrates, Plato, who were in search of the good and the true and the beautiful and the vision of things and asked the fundamental question, what is it to be man? What is it, uh, what is it to be good, a good human being? Uh, the Enlightenment made a deal, right, with Machiavelli and Hobbes and the Cartesian worldview, et cetera. And the Enlightenment came along and said, uh, hey, uh, you know, that, that reason of Socrates, we get it because we're these guys are first-class philosophers, uh, but it's not accessible uh, to the layperson. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring in this enlightenment thing, uh, and the sciences are going to really improve your life, right? We're going to extend your life uh, in, 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 with Descartes, with the, uh, with the Hobbes. We're going to provide uh, security and safety if you form the social contract. And it all happened, and, and it was an incredible achievement. Uh, but they didn't ask the main questions, right? And so that's why the social sciences and the university these days are, are lost. They don't ask the fundamental questions. They don't motivate the uh, young scholars anymore about the central questions of what it is to be a human. And the fundamental issue of what it means to be a human that the classics knew is you will die, right? We are finite, we are human, and that right there, Right. Nietzsche knew it. He was a genius guy. He all the brilliant ones go right there. Yep. Hang over one second. I'm going to keep you on. I want to bring in Joe Allen. Do we have a cold open for Joe Allen? Because it gets right to this point. Can we play Joe Allen's cold open and then we'll bring in Joe. Right. Good. Good. From, uh, you know, the last year, the one thing I've tried to put a priority on since I left the White House was, you know, getting some exercise in. I think that there's a, a good probability that my generation is hopefully with the advances in science, either, you know, the, the, the first generation to live forever or the last generation that's going to die. And so uh, we need to keep ourselves in, in pretty good shape. Uh, you talk about the idea of physical immortality and you say that this is going to be possible by 2045. Uh, I talk about three bridges to radical life extension. I've written a few health books. Bridge one is what you can do right now to stay healthy the old-fashioned way so that we can get to bridge two. Uh, a key idea of mine is that information technology progresses exponentially, and health and medicine is now an information technology, and that was enabled by the Genome Project. That's bridge two, and that'll get us to bridge three where we'll have Medical nanorobots, little robots that are computerized, that are the size of blood cells, that basically finish the job of the immune system. We can finish the job uh, with these medical nanorobots. There are, there are detailed designs, actually, how to go after every disease once we have these devices. That's a 2030 scenario. 
So that's the third bridge. Ultimately, we're going to merge with artificial intelligence. We can talk more about that. Well, we start with the idea of ex extending our mental capacity with AI. So we've already done that. You know, most people, if they leave their cell phone, they feel like they're incomplete. So they're not yet inside our bodies and brains. There are some people that have computers in their brains, like Parkinson's patients, but that'll be routine in the 2030s. Another application of these medical nanorobots will be to connect our neocortex, that's the outer layer of the brain, that's where we do our thinking, to the cloud. We'll connect our neocortex wirelessly to the cloud, just the way your cell phone does it. And so we will be a hybrid of biological thinking and non-biological thinking, which I believe has already started with these devices outside our body, and we'll become smarter. Uh, by 2045, we'll expand our intelligence a billion-fold. That's such a profound transformation that we borrow this metaphor from physics and call it a singular change in human history. Okay, welcome back. That's about the singularity. Let's bring in Joe Allen. Uh, Joe, can you tell me uh, exactly what we just saw there, particularly the, the last part of it? Who, who's talking and why is that important? And I want to tie it back to Dave Bratt's uh, exposition that he walked us through. Well, you know, Steve, when uh, Mediaite tried to take you to task for calling Jared Kushner a transhumanist, uh, I thought it pretty ridiculous. And I was digging around in my uh, cache of Ray Kurzweil interviews to see where direct links lie. And I think you can hear it pretty clearly there. Kushner simply says that technology will perhaps allow him to be part of the generation that either lives forever or doesn't die. I'm not really sure what the difference is. And Kurzweil is probably the most outspoken kind of pop philosopher in that department, uh, the art transhumanist. And he has laid out in self-help books, but also, you know, a really dense tome, The Singularity is Near, the path by which human beings will use technology to become immortal, the promise of almost every world religion, immortality, is supposedly going to be provided via technology. And you heard the first bridge is just standard healthcare. The second bridge uh, starts creeping in more into the internet of bodies and perhaps gene editing or gene therapies, and surely the mRNA vaccine and all other sorts of you know, genetic experiments on human beings fall into that category. And then the third, the nanobots, the dream of the all-powerful nanobots that will not only eradicate cancer and all other diseases and regenerate tissues, but he believes will allow us to commune directly with AI, not unlike Elon Musk's Neuralink. So to Dave Bratt's point, he is exactly right that uh, human beings are simply destined to die, each and every one of us, sooner or later, hopefully later. And I think that uh, the sort of spiritual concept of immortality has undoubtedly been hijacked by transhumanists or other sort of techno-fetishists who believe that technology will not only allow for indefinite life extension, but some sort of de, de facto yeah. immortality. It's delusional. And uh, I think it needs to be taken very well, seriously. I don't know if it's delusional. Uh, I don't know if it's. I don't. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if it's delusional because Kurzweil. And remember, Kurzweil. What? Real quickly, what is Kurzweil's current job today? What? What is? He's getting a paycheck for doing what? Yeah, he's a top R and D director at Google. So he is definitely, and he okay. is influenced. Google, far Google, and wide. Google owns Google owns DeepMind. They own all the. De they basically are probably as advanced Steve, as uh, any weapons Cal lab. Calico, go ahead. 
Calico yes, Labs, uh, an immortality project by Google. Calico Labs, they also run that. Google is a publicly traded company called Alphabet, publicly traded company, hundreds of billions of dollars of market cap. Many of the people in this audience right now own the stock. Okay, you own the stock. Kurzweil's a senior head of kind of R&D. He sets the kind of overall framework. What he laid out there is the path to the singularity with all these technologies, whether it's it, 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 uh, artificial general intelligence, whether it's regenerative robotics, whether it's advanced chip design, uh, whether it's increases in artificial intelligence. And we didn't even talk about the bio, biotech part, uh, which is CRISPR, and part of that will be the nanobots, et cetera. That's not a fantasy. That is a research program, and he lays out those bridges. Hey, it may not be 2045, it may be 2035, or it could be 2095. The point, there's a plan, and, and, and people are building towards that plan. And I'm not saying they're sitting in one room saying, hey, this is what we have to do, but in the research labs in Asia, uh, in Europe, in the United States, both in weapons labs, in, uh, in, in, in biotechnology weapons labs, and in private labs throughout the world, this is being worked on. So when Dave Brad talks about that, this is not a fantasy. This is something that's going to be in the lived experience. Every person under 45 years old is going to live in a world where you're going to have to make a decision between what's a homo sapien, which is on this side of the line, this side of the singularity. That would be everybody that's been born. You know, the 100 billion people have been born and then post homo sapien. Uh, real quickly, uh, Joe, what is your uh, give your uh, give your coordinates so people can get to you. We got to bounce. At J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z, Jobot.xyz, and uh, also warroom.org, the transhumanism tab. Thanks a lot, Steve. We're gonna pick this we're gonna pick this back up tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Uh, Dave Bratt, real quickly, what's your social media, brother? Yeah, Bratt Economics on Getter. I'm posting stuff. Look me up, third floor at Liberty University. Come visit, open door anytime. Man, I feel a lot better after you gave us that talk today about uh, about liberty and about you down there, that business school infused with the Christian ethos. Yep. Thank you very much. Yep. See you back here tomorrow morning Stick at 10 a.m. in the war room.